a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. your continued support of our sponsors we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads click that amazon banner on pulp mx to help us out and donate via patreon if it suits you and as always enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the East Rutherford slash New Jersey slash New York Supercross wrap-up show. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Lots to talk about with Weege and JT, of course. I'm Steve Mathis. Thank you, Fly Racing, flyracing.com. 2019 Kinetic Mesh Gear is out now, so please check them out on the web, flyracing.com. Mountain bike stuff as well. I uh, actually absolutely love the helmet they have for, fly, for mountain biking, so if you're in the market for that stuff, please check it out. And, uh, yeah, thanks to Fly Racing. Alpine Stars, the Tech 10, the most advanced boot in motocross today. You know the name. You know the style. Uh, their neck protector, their A, A1 chest protector, their A1 chest, uh, A4 chest protector. Uh, that go underneath the jersey, and uh, a lot of riders wear those that aren't even sponsored by Alpine Stars officially because they work that well. Slick Wash, uh, use the code Steve to save with the three-step wash process that these guys have. Monster Energy Pro Circuit uses Slick Wash, and uh, yeah, they, they follow them on Instagram for uh, all the news. They're giving away AC jerseys and, and Forkner jerseys and things like that, so thanks to those guys. And Maxis, Maxis.com, uh, light truck tire, trailer tires, mountain bike tires, and most importantly, dirt bike tires with AJ Catanzaro. The MXSTs are out. Jeremy McGregor develop these things he uses them as well so please check those guys out for uh, for all your tire needs so uh let's get into the review shall we got weege and jt lined up here shortly and uh plenty to talk about everybody so thanks for listening and now on to the review and now as promised to talk about the new jersey new york supercross our uh yamaha live show that we did on friday night and more are uh, a couple of uh, guys that were there and uh, a big part of everything. So let's get right to it. First up from Fly Racing, flyracing.com, uh, two-time Montreal Supercross champion, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Not too much. Long flights, uh, long flights home for you and I, so it's been, uh, yeah. it's been a long Sunday already. That's yeah, right. I had a direct flight, and it sucked. It was terrible. Hated it. But I'm, I could almost go to Europe. It's like literally another hour and a bit, and you're in Europe. From Newark yeah, to France. Yeah, it's a yeah. long, it's a long deal. I mean, I left, uh, I left the hotel at four a.m. Um, and then, uh, yeah, flew a long time to get home. Yeah. Uh, also on the line, uh, he did not fly that far because he was uh, on his side of the uh, country. The voice of motocross, the voice of GNCC, the voice of quad racing, the voice of e-bike racing. Uh, Jason Wygant, what's up, Weege? Yeah, Jersey, New York, dirty, awesome. dirty Jersey. Yeah, and I know I've probably said this on this podcast every time they've had a race there, but New Jersey, smart move. The absolute worst-looking part of the entire state, that's all you ever see. If someone flies into Newark, Newark is the absolute worst. It's probably battling for worst city in the country. Uh, and where the stadium is is not really that nice either, and that's all anyone ever sees. 
and then you go to New York City and you think that's cool, and then you go home and you never see one thing in New Jersey that anyone would ever think is nice. Uh, it's <laughs> all, good move, good planning, good marketing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, garbage. Uh, yeah. Whole, did you see one nice thing all weekend? No, no. I no. I hated driving around there too. It sucks. Garbage. Oh. So bad. Um. Yeah. Uh, uh, I stayed by the airport in Newark. I I didn't go into the city at all this time. Um, just uh, yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay, we'll all right. That. Well, we can let's yeah. talk about our Friday night live show first of all. Yep. Um, so it was in Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, nice place. The loft, smaller place. The smallest one we've done so far. Uh, so the smallest amount of tickets as well. Uh, but it was a lively crowd, and and we, your mom was there. Well, yeah, the, I do. You know, you kind of got to got to prime the pump a little bit. I called in every favor I have with everybody I knew. And, yeah, my mom came. But really, shout out to our guy, Nash, longtime Pulp MX super fan, um, for arranging for all of his Jersey buddies to come, like the numbers a little bit. But, yeah, my mom did come. I should have had a lot more relatives there than that. But uh, Yeah, can you take us I, through Can you take us through your dad and, and discussing on him uh, showing up to see his son, you know, on, live, on a stage in, in front of a live audience? Yeah, I mean, my whole weekend was really planned about around seeing relatives and stuff, and then it was all fading. Like, all week it was starting to fade. Like, I actually took not the super early Sunday flight that I always take because my theory was that I could come visit my dad Sunday morning and then just literally take him to the airport with me and put him on the flight with me so he could come visit here for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, he backed out of that. And then I was trying to explain what a podcast is and what this live show would be, and as I was trying to explain it, I'm like, this. If you have to explain it, it ain't happening. So he just so, had no interest in showing up to see his son? No, and he was really worried as I was trying to explain, like, the Friday night show or flying with me on Sunday or both. That, that would also mean, wait, do I have to go to the race on Saturday now, too? So it was just anything that he has to do is just bad. Anything. I do not want to do anything. There is nothing on earth that I like doing. Nothing. <laughs> there is Zero interest in anything at all. Everything is bad. Nothing is good. Stay in the house, and and nothing will happen. Everything's safe in the house. Well, everything's cheaper in the house. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Yep, yep. You never spend money if you don't do anything ever. Yeah. <laughs> JT, so, uh, I would have comped them. I yeah. would have comped them. I think we could have comped them a ticket for Friday night. Yeah. No, we could. Oh, well, we could have. Uh, okay. JT, your mom was there, of course. Cindy. She, she was. She made the trip. She was. There was not. There was not near as much uh, of the high drama that Weed was dealing with. It was very straightforward for me. Yeah. My mom's cool. She showed up. She showed up with her boyfriend, and that was all fine. Right. But, yeah, dad, any other relatives. My real goal, guys, I I was going to spring this on you. My mom's mom, my grandmother, is going to be 90 next month. But she's 90 going on 40. Mm -hmm. I really wanted her to go and get her on stage, talk about um, where she takes her used paper towels and hangs them on the clothesline to dry them, to reuse them. Um, when you go over my grandmother's house, they don't use paper plates. You know, when you buy like meat at the store, it's like cellophane, cellophane, cellophane wrap. Yeah. With like a styrofoam plate. She washes those and those are her paper plates. Oh my. Oh, this is, this is, this is just a deep family tradition then of saving money. Yeah. So I wanted those stories. I'm like, ah, we could bring her up on stage for eight, eight, 10 minutes. Uh huh. Uh, but she. She's she's almost ninety. She decided not to go to Patterson late on Friday night. Damn right, it. right. Would have been good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was it. My gift, all, my only gift Jersey could give was Barry Carson. 
Well, uh, we had Barry Carson, we had Damon Bradshaw, and we had Davey Coombs. Uh, it was fun. It was it was great. Um, Bradshaw and 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 Carson. You could tell there was like there's mutual respect there between those. A working man's hero, privateer, you know, and then you know a, a huge star, but also East Coast, right? I think it it's an East Coast thing, Weech, between those two guys. I think, but actually, what blew my mind the most was I had not even considered that JT. And Barry Carson. Barry has crossed so many generations and eras. Yes, Bradshaw is a contemporary and also JT. But JT, Bradshaw was your childhood hero. But Barry crosses all of that. That was what fascinated me more than anything. Well, yeah, if you did one of those, you know, separate. I mean, Barry has raced Bob Hanna. Barry has (laughs) raced RJ. Barry has raced Wardy. Barry has raced Jeremy. Barry has raced Ricky. Barry has raced James. Barry has raced Chad. It is yep. Barry is the legacy rider. <laughs> he, he yeah, is, he's the tie that binds us. Yeah, glue. Yeah, um, probably what Filippoto and Dunge are probably the first that are out of Barry's range. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Bob Hanna threw before Filippoto. Probably yes, yes. A- every rider, yes. <laughs> That's just, his just look at that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it, it was a good show. Uh, Barry was Barry was into it. Barry was wearing his RM Army shirt as well. Always, always pumping JT Suzuki. He's a marketing he's a marketing dream. He really is. And uh, and then also uh, I love the fact too that um, he showed up at Saturday and he was flagging Weech. He well, I got a little offended because I said, "Oh my gosh, are you flagging?" And he's like, "No, I'm not flagging." Almost in a negative. How dare you think I'm flagging way? Which I'm not sure what that was all about. I mean, oh, flagging so what was fine, he, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. What what, what was he doing? Yeah. What was what was the deal? No, he was like, there, I guess he was on the ground for sure. I think he was. I think his main job, if you saw, you know how like the tough blocks they move, like when the start happens and the riders go down the start stretch and they put those big huge tough blocks to re yeah. the course. Yeah. I think that was his thing. But did you notice his staff, you know, track crew shirt? Did you see what number he had? Oh yeah. Thirty-one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was it was good. Um, number thirty-one. Yeah, and and Barry gave you one of his Loretta Lynn's medals. Yep, he gave me one of the Loretta Lynn's gold, and then one of the one of Nash's guys. We were, I was presented with a ceremonial yellow flag from English Town, mud stained on stage, um, uh, and some dirt from the old the old English Town track. Yeah. Across the street. Yeah. Just uh, I mean, we this is why we're telling you to go to these shows. We got one in, in uh, this Friday in Vegas. Um. We do our best to leave no stone unturned for your entertainment. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it, it was great. And now there's been controversy over you, whether you actually ever flagged. Um, we, you know, we're still trying to get to the bottom of that. Your mom didn't really have your back. Uh, we asked her. She said yes. You broke her down. Steve. She said yes. My, Jason flagged, and I said, "Did you ever see him flag?" And she said, "No, I actually never went to the race to see him flag." So. I don't really know if he ever did. So, well, no. The direct quote was, "So yeah, he could be lying." Right. That's what my mom said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but here's what I was worried about when you were when you had my mom on the witness stand and you were questioning her. <laughs> and JT, no one can equate to this better than you. Steve is a professional arguer. He's a professional arguer. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, if Steve is going to break my mom down, this is like the bully in high school going up against like Conor McGregor. Like this is no contest. <laughs> my mom will be broken down by Steve. Steve just, argues for a living literally. D- JC, you know this. Uh, she stood no chance. Well, just I just wanted to get to the bottom of this. 
flagging thing. That's all. That's it. Just fill. There is no bottom. We're, we're at the top. Well, it Phil, happened. Phil and his buddies don't seem to think so. One of the buddies that Phil, he was hammered, but one of the buddies that Phil cited as not knowing that I flagged was there. Oh, really? And said, oh, yeah, I totally remember. I'm like, what? You're the one who sold me out with Phil. <laughs> and then we started telling Phil stories, and I don't remember where it went. Yeah, I went from there. Right. right. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, thanks to the loft. Uh, thanks to Clint there down there as well for helping out. Um, Please come on uh, Friday this weekend. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yep, this Friday. Um, RV will be at one of our guests working on the other guy. Um, and uh, 7 to 9 at the Space in Vegas. So tickets start at 20 bucks. It's really cool to meet uh, the listeners, too, and, and the people. If you, if you pay a little bit extra, we can hang out afterwards. And it's just really cool to meet all these people who, who just, you know, are, are huge fans of Pulp MX shows and Racer X shows and, and the Pulp Fantasy and everything else. It's, it's awesome, man. Um, it's really and the sport. The sport. Like, they're just so into the sport. It's really yeah. awesome to see that enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, right? You just you, you feel like... Uh, you know, these people are living this sport day-to-day like a soap opera, like we are a little bit. You know, they follow it just as much as we are, and they have crazy theories and, and all. It's, yeah, it's really neat. It's, it's, it's cool to see. So, Did you guys feel what, during the talking to the fans there at the end of the meet and greet, the overwhelming topic that everyone wanted to talk about with me was, is there a chance, say, of a Kenny and AC Honda super team? Like, silly season next year, all these guys' deals being up. Like, that is topic numero uno. I actually learned something from that. I'm like, wow, the fans, I think, care more about who rides where next year than the racing right now. It was fascinating hearing all these theories. Yeah, I got some of it. I, I agree. I always push silly season stuff, like in Racerhead or Magazine or whatever. People love it. They they do want to talk about it, who's going yep. where and all of that. Um, it starts early on, you know. And, and, and yeah, people, yeah, I agree, JT. Do you, do you hear the same thing? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think, you know, the silly season – is very similar to like the NFL draft. I mean, it's the same concept and look how big that is. You know, it's, it's the unknown of where your favorite rider or the stars of the sport are going to end up and what team and what bike and all that, you know, that whole game. So I think it's, that's as close as we get to any sort of draft or free agency period or anything like that. So yeah, I think people love it. And, And myself included, I like to, you know, we're a little bit more clued in than the average person just, you know, uh, by occupation, but it's still fun for us to kind of wonder what if on some of these deals, because a lot of it, this stuff's not done. You know, it's all, it's all kind of up in the air still. JT called an audible and brought Bradshaw on. I did. Yep. I did. We weren't planning on we, it, but uh, the beast from the East came on well, and he, and of course he was popular. Of course. We can't, we can't leave an asset like that unused. That would be, be criminal. I mean, with the people in the stands that, I mean, I would bet you a lot of people there didn't even know Damon Bradshaw was in the house. Oh, yeah. So to not have him up there oh. for a few minutes would be, yep. would be crazy. And uh, Davey was great. Davey can bench race with the best of them. And, of course, Jersey being Jersey, some guy didn't even wait for the microphone to ask audience questions, just started yelling about Brock Tickle to Davey. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's Jersey right there. Yeah, that is so Jersey. And Davey got the answer. You know, Davey gave his opinion and everything else. But uh, he's a great guy to bench race, too, as well. So, um, the New Jersey arena, arena crosses, New York Madison Square Garden arena crosses story was great. Uh, setting those back up in the mid to late not eighties. So Tim Timmy Coombs with a Harley, some bike that he painted black and called a Harley Davidson <laughs> with prostitutes. Yeah, yeah, with with hookers, with or prostitutes so. as, as as umbrella girls. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so fun fun times. Uh, thanks everybody for showing up. I appreciate it. Um, 
it was good. So uh, again, Vegas this this Friday night. Uh, it's the last one of the year, and uh, it'll be our fourth one uh, of the year and, and fifth one overall. So these things are cool, man. They're they've been a lot of fun, and I'm always surprised that people show up and and they have a great time and booze is flowing and and yeah yeah a lot of a lot of a lot of good times there. So, um, so last night after the race, we each what'd you do? What'd you end up doing? You're very bitter. Well, well, yeah. So uh, everyone listening around the world here, you know, you think you know who your friends are. I would uh, formerly consider the two people that I'm talking to on the phone here to be amongst my best friends ever, and uh, they didn't come through for me. You know, the <laughs> motocross gods gave us the gift of moving the New York race up two hours, so there uh-huh. were two more hours to go and hang out in the greatest city in the world on Saturday night. Yep. Uh, and uh, seemed like everyone was into it until the actual time came at I understand it was very late. I mean, it was like 9, 18 p.m. I mean, that's unbelievably late for me to be asking if people want to go out in the greatest city in the world. But well, that was apparently too late for either one of you turkeys, and you both backed out on Well, my— 9, 18 p.m. Your room— night. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> your room was in the city, first of all. That's where you were staying. We were out by the airport in Newark. So it does not matter. I was going to the city. Reg- I, okay, but percent chance I wasn't going to have a room. I was still going. Okay, I checked the traffic patterns, and it did not look good for going into the city at nine eighteen. It was it was packed. It was a 40, 45 minute drive to Times Square. I just punched in Times Square, and the, the it was a lot of red on the on the map. And I'm like, oh boy. Now I I could have done what you did, and Ubered to the train station after the race, to take a train. That was the plan. That was the plan. But if you do, if anyone here doubts religion, there is a God because I come out of that stadium. I'm getting nothing but negatives from people I should be able to count on as friends. I'm out. Both of you guys are out. And I look toward the pit, see if there's anybody left in the pit. I'm really about to run up through the pit yelling, hey, does anyone want to go with me to New York City? Anyone. <laughs> And there is a New Jersey Transit bus. I didn't even know there was a bus stop at the Meadowlands for no reason, really, because this the stadium probably gets used 50 times, 50 days out of the year. Uh-huh. It's there, why would there be a bus stop? And I look, and it says bus 160. I'm pretty fluent in how fast transit works in New Jersey. I used to live there. So I look, bus 160 goes straight to Port Authority, which is in Times Square. And I'm like, there's a bus to New York right here. Like, TPJ rig? Bus to New York City. <laughs> Wait, that's incredible that you actually know what bus number it is, though. Still, no, no, no. I just know I I can quick I can find it on my phone in three seconds. Like I know where to figure out exactly oh, okay. where that All schedule right. is. Yes, yeah, because yeah, I, uh, I, I would have oh. never known what bus to take or where it was. No, no, I didn't right. know the one sixty was the one because okay. in classic New York, New Jersey fashion, as you probably experienced over the weekend, they don't make anything easy to understand. No. Like, it literally just says 160, New York. I'm like, oh, yeah, that narrows it down. It's an entire friggin' state. <laughs> it's going into the state of so, New York. So you jumped no on the bus and got a bus ride. But how was well, the- this? is the greatest thing ever. Not only was the bus there waiting for me, apparently, but they were loading someone on the bus in a wheelchair, and it was making the bus late. And you do not anger people in the New York, New Jersey region. They're very irritable, as you know. Yes. Uh, so they were so late that the bus driver's like, we don't even have time to collect fare. Just get on and go. Free. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and, and how was, and what was okay what was also fascinating the bus is loaded with hardened new york new jersey people like grubby gritty city people but one was wearing a a number three tomac hat a guy and his son were wearing a number 21 gold jason anderson hat of each of the hat 
Uh, an old lady had a Supercross, like, toque, as you would call it, Steve. So they had Supercross gear on, these people who looked like they would know, wouldn't even know what a dirt bike is if they got ran over by it. Amazing. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm on the bus, and I'm like, I don't have anyone to hang out with. Yeah, your friends. Baby. Well, JT, yeah. do, you, do you want to explain yourself here? JT? Yeah, what's up? Or, yeah, just do you want to step in? And it's, I, I, well, oh, Also, too, by the time, when I got to my room, there was overtime of the Boston Bruins-Columbus Blue Jackets uh, Stanley oh, Cup playoff game. God. That was another reason that I was like, oh, boy, I want to watch this overtime. Okay, go ahead, JT. Well, my, my whole thing was, okay, so Weege wants to go into town, and this is, like he says, nine-something at night, okay? Yeah, really so, late, nine o'clock. When you're, hold on, when you're going to go into town, what's going to happen? You're going to drink, obviously. That's what's going to happen in New York City late at night. Well, I have a rental car, and I have a hotel room that are both out in New Jersey. So what am I, I'm going to drive in, then drink heavily, then drive a rental car all the way to JFK? No, that's not going to happen. I'm on a WPS credit card rented rental car. I'm not, that's, it was just all bad. There was no upside to me going into town. You, you texted us a picture of you eating dinner with the audience you will get to at 1.40 a.m. So that means two hours later, after drinking and eating, I'm, I'm going to drive to JFK. That's. I just it just didn't it didn't work. It was a bad idea. Nothing good was going to come from inebriated driving all the way to JFK. Well, I was actually so going to Uber. Pull the parachute. I was going to Uber into the I, city because I knew that would happen. But I, I am not here to endorse drunk driving. But JT, you know you've been in these types of pickles on Saturday night after the races before, and you figured out a way. You know you've been there, the and you know you've done it. The problem, but it was the opposite direction. I was going to have to go into the city, Uber to the city forty forty minutes or whatever. Uber back to the air, to the hotel. Then I've been drinking. Then I have to drive because no no one else in our party was going to JFK. I was the only one because I was supposed to fly to China originally Saturday night. So I had no choice but to drive this rental car, you know, 40 minutes from the Meadowlands to JFK. So it was just thought that I didn't want to go. It just wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't the right timing. My flight would have been later. Maybe that would have worked if if I was flying out of Newark Airport. Maybe that would have worked. But yeah, just wrong. Wrong time, wrong place. Okay, so and, uh, we I was using JT sense. as my guide, folks. JT, yes, you were planning on going to the originally scheduled GP of China, which was going to be when Tuesday or something. Uh, it would have been Wednesday, so I would have left. Okay, my original okay. flight. I booked a flight. My flight was one forty-five a.m. Saturday night from JFK to sixteen hours to Manila. Uh, had a connection, and then I flew to Shanghai. Uh, Arrived there some, sometime Monday. I would have left Saturday night. Arrived there Monday. Race was Tuesday, Wednesday, and then fly straight to Vegas Thursday. But yeah, they postponed the race, and it's, it'll be in September now. But that that was the original plan. That's why it was going to JFK instead of Newark, which would have made more sense. See, the point, the reason I wanted all those details, in fact, is because I felt like, as you told me about the flight pattern flying over the North Pole to get to the other side mm-hmm. of the freaking world, only to come back to Vegas six days later. I didn't think that a, a little bit of red on a traffic pattern or something like that over the freaking Lincoln Tunnel could be enough. I'm like, I got the hardiest travelers in the world here. They're, they got my back. Uh, he was planning on going to China and Manila. Couldn't, but but no, couldn't go to Times Square. Couldn't handle Times Square. <laughs> I'll be honest. The, the driving after drinking that far that was that was yeah. the problem. That's where I pulled I pulled the shoot on it. Yeah. Well, I was fine either way. I didn't a huge risk. I didn't even get a car for the weekend because I, I understand your situation. I didn't want to be in the, I've got a car and I can't either park it or get it where I need to get it. So I'm just going to 
land at the airport Friday morning and just hope for the best. Wow. Um, that's why that bus was God's gift. Um, well, okay, so how did it go? You ended yeah. up going, how did it go, each? Yeah, so I just started texting everyone else I could think of. All after, your other um, friends. Two people that I can't count on anymore. Right. Let me down. <laughs> and uh, one of my first contacts, well, I hit up Davey first. Davey was already done. And then uh, I hit up Daniel Blair. And uh, Daniel Blair's like, hell yeah, our hotel's in Times Square, but we know you're not coming out. You sleep at airports. All you do is work. There's no chance you really mean this. I'm like, here's a picture of me on the bus. Check out the fan in the Jason Anderson hat. <laughs> uh, I'm coming. And they're like, no, you're not. And I'm like, yes, I am. I'm like, just tell me where you are. They had a hotel literally across the street from where the bus stopped, Port Authority. And I met Daniel Blair in the lobby. And I'm like, what are we doing? And he's like, well, I'm hanging out with Ralph, R.C., A.J. Allmendinger, and Will Christian, TV crew. You want to hang? And I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> so Just infiltrating. Yeah. 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 Me and Ralph hanging, me and R.C. Uh, you didn't get mentioned, Steve. You were not brought up. Good. Good. I'm happy with that. I was yeah. praising. I was like, hey, I'm happy that you folks are actually hanging out because my friends didn't. And I was like, please don't ask who those friends are. <laughs> do not ask me who the people that I thought I'd be hanging out with were. Please. Yeah. Hey, this um, is, is this the beginning of the Goodwill hunting thing that we've talked about? Yeah, I think it is. This is, is it. Is this I'm going to leave you guys is, behind. Is this I it? I can count on Ralph and I can count on RC. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Good. Good. Good work. <laughs> Well, it was really yeah. fun, actually, and Ralph told some just unbelievably phenomenal stories. Just some <laughs> incredible. You guys familiar with Dusty Rhodes? Yeah, the wrestler, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Ralph was announced with him. Ralph was what? I had no idea. Yes. He what? Yes. Sorry. Ralph, Ralph has announced he's worked with. He's worked with Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there was some series apparently on TNN in like '90s or '80s or something. You ever notice Ralph like is like a few years older than us, but has somehow been working in the business like thirty years more than anybody. Like Ralph, did he just take ten years off of his life or something? Ralph, Ralph looks younger he's than me. Gray. Ralph looks younger he's than gray me, gray. but yet at some point in 1988, he's at Daytona doing the Supercross. That's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> like I'm like I'm watching you on TV when I'm eight years old, but now we're about the same age. I don't understand. <laughs> so apparently there was this series. Where they just, Ralph and Dusty Rhodes went to like the craziest races they could find. Swamp buggy races, demolition derbies. And it was Ralph and Dusty Rhodes as the announcers uh, for this racing series. Uh, Yeah. And the Dusty Rhodes stories of traveling with Dusty and and what Dusty would say on the air. I mean, I couldn't have been, I mean, I'm a wrestling fan. I could not have been more riveted. Yeah. 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 um, uh, Talk, speaking of wrestling. Well, I'm glad you had a good time and you're, and now you've made new friends. You've moved on. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I'll be hanging out. You know, we'll we'll do this little live show Friday, and I'm peeling out. I'm and, going to hang out with Ralph. That's Prophecy. it. Right, right. I get it. I get it. Yep. I, under, I understand it, JT. JT, we're, I, I get it. We we missed our window with with each. We did. We, we opened the door. Yep. Yeah. We only have ourselves to blame. Um. Yeah. I was talking to Jericho, Bogle's mechanic, and he said to me, he's been he was looking for you because on Tuesday, uh, there is a 1980s wrestling convention. Close in the city, and he wanted, really wanted to go. He couldn't, but he was wondering if you were going. And I said, "Who's going to be there?" And he said, "Oh, everybody." And I said, "What do you mean, everybody? They're all dead." And uh, he goes, "No, no, 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 they're not." And he pulls up the Instagram thing, and he goes, "Well, yeah, two of these guys are dead actually by now." 
So in the time that it took to announce the convention, to 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 the to them making an Instagram post, to the to the wrestling to the to the convention itself, King Kong Bundy and one other guy had died. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, actually, but there was twelve or fourteen other guys that that, that yeah. I said, I said, who's he's got? He said he's such a wrestling guy. I'm like, who else is going to be there? He's like the dragon, like this. He's just Ricky the dragon, Steve, like the, dra- the dragon, the dragon, the dragon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I said, I don't uh, think we just going to go Jericho, but I'll, no. I'll pass it on. <laughs> In related news, uh, Ralph doesn't refer to Dusty Rhodes as Dusty Rhodes. His name is Dream. Oh, the Dream American Dream Dusty Rhodes. His name is Dream. <laughs> Me and Dream. Dream says this. Dream does that. And I. And by the way, Will Christian, the pit reporter that you see on TV every weekend, she is from England. I mean, you, there was no – we did not – we would needed a week to try to explain any of this to her. I'm like, <laughs> right, what? right. What are the – wait, Swamp Buggy races? Like, Demolition Derby? Like, what? And who's this guy? Dream? What? Wrestling? What the <laughs> – It's phenomenal. Uh, well, shock. Good time, and we're, we're sorry that you've moved on. Yeah, I don't know. This is this Yeah, I think uh, maybe a podcast. Maybe me, Ralph R.C. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the race, uh, New Jersey race. Uh, well, JT, are you finally coming around to Cooper Webb? Yeah, it's over, bro. <laughs> I was I was already I know I was already there after after Denver. I think um, he uh, he deserves all the accolades he's going to get. He really it really was the race that nobody wanted to win in a sense. Uh, Tomac was really good and crashed twice in the whoops. Zach was awesome and took the lead and almost went into the net. Uh, Baggett was was starting to be, become El Chupacabra and getting that second half surge, and he crashed. Marvin crashed early in the race. Kenny is not himself right now. Um, so it was kind of the race that, yeah, Webb's like, yeah, thanks, thanks everybody. I'll just take this because I I would I would dare to say that Cooper Webb was maybe the third or fourth fastest guy JT in the main event, but he he got it. This this was the 2019 season all in one race. This was the whole season win one race. Nobody wanted to win. Tomac made mistakes. Marvin crashed when it counted. Kenny was just kind of out there, and he's still dealing with whatever he's dealing with. Uh, you know, Anderson got hurt early. So, like, it just it was the whole season. You know, Webb did – he made no mistakes. Maybe he wasn't the absolute fastest guy, but he literally didn't put a wheel wrong the whole race. Yep. And he, he ends up with the win. I mean, that's just how this whole year has gone. He – yeah, he – like I said, I think he was third or fourth fastest. Yep, but and I, I I honestly think for a lot of the season that's been true. Maybe not third or fourth, but maybe not the fastest guy. And I don't want that to be a, a dig at him because I don't think it is. I mean, he's absolutely done whatever it took to win this series. And and Ryan Dungey's won at least one title without being the fastest guy. So that's that's a part of the game. Well, but, I don't know if I I'm just, not going there because he's got seven wins. You know, no, but, I know, but, but I, I don't think he's, I mean, there have been several times this year where you can't say he was the fastest guy. There's no way you can't say he was like in his wins. Um, maybe, I mean, some of them maybe, but I'm just saying if he's won seven out of 16 races and it, if, if any of those races, he wasn't the fastest guy that he won, there were several that he didn't win that he certainly wasn't the fastest guy. Yeah. And that's no. not, I don't think that's anything you could take away from him. I'm just saying this was, in a nutshell, how the whole season's been. He didn't have to be the fastest guy, and he still found a way to win. Yeah. No, he rode well, Weege. Rode great. Yeah, and I just – I use the same analogy in the 
video that I shot at 2.30 in the morning in New York City uh, after hanging out with my new friends. I was inspired by the conversation, so I shot my post-race video there. And, uh, I, yeah, I said it was the webbingest of web races. Like, this is how he's done it. And I, you guys are uh, with me, you know, doing the, we do the fly racing radio show Saturday afternoon. We did our live show Friday night. Um, not a lot of crowd love for Cooper Webb in this area at all. Uh, he was booed every time we brought his name up. And we were trying to figure out why. And, uh, you know, he's from the southeast, so maybe he just doesn't play in the northeast. Maybe people don't like his attitude. But I think one thing working against him is, yeah, I know what you're saying, JT. You don't mean that as, like, an insult, like that he wasn't the fastest guy. Like, it's a credit for him doing the right things, riding smart, being mentally tough, making the most of every situation. That is, we only mean that as a compliment. But I think the fans... They, as much as we say we want competitive, crazy, close racing every weekend, I think they always want the champ to be the dude who just destroyed everybody and is clearly the fastest dude. And we know that that's not always how titles are won. I don't think he's getting lucky. He's making his own luck. He's 100% responsible for the fact that he's done this well. He didn't fall in his hands. He made it happen. But I do think there's a slight chorus of people being like, ah, oh, dude, what? Why does this keep happening this way? It's not a coincidence. It's not luck. But I do think some people, it rings that way, just like it did for Anderson last year, which I don't think is fair. Okay, let me ask you. Um, let me ask. Yeah. Let me stop you for a second. Here's a, here's a good bench yeah. race question. Yeah. Uh, Anderson or Webb, our last two champions, uh, and Webb doesn't have it officially, but I like his odds. Um, which guy was more impressive? Webb. It's really hard to say because Webb never had as big a points lead. I think Webb was more impressive. I okay. think he is. I, I agree. But yeah. in the problem was Anderson was immediately handed like a forty point lead at like round six. He didn't have to fight for it quite as much. So mm-hmm. maybe Anderson had more they didn't need to show up. Okay. All but right. I think Webb was better, yeah. Um Tomac? I think uh, oh. I think well, I think the difference in that question if you had give, given Webb a forty point lead, I think you would have seen Webb still go for wins. I just think that's innate mm. in his personality to still go for it where Anderson was like, nah, I'm just going to chill. Like you guys, you guys want to hand me a win. Okay. But if not, I'll just ride back here. No big deal. I think Webb is just a different personality than that, where he's just, he was going to still go for it. Like even when, even last night, you know, he's, he's in a position where he just needs to stay out of Tomac's way and not cause a, you know, not get involved, give up a couple points. Fine. But he wasn't scared to mix it up. I mean, he repassed Tomac. No, he was yeah. not scared to get in the mix. So I just think there's a there's a personality difference there at, at play as well. Yeah, I was surprised that he was as frisky as he was with Tomac. He's like, I think right. that's just who he is. Yeah, I yeah, think that's who yep. he is as a person. Yep. Um, it looked to me like Tomac could have been trying to pull a Vegas, but I don't think so um, because he, they were pulling away from Zach in third a little bit, you know. But it was weird that it seemed like Tomac could just kind of get going and get by him, and then all of a sudden the web would get him. You know? so was little... I, I was wondering that, too. Yeah. And um, Daniel Blair, my new best friend, had she was showing me the lap times of that juncture of the race, and Tomac was going a lot slower. But, yeah, it wasn't obvious because the pack wasn't stacked up behind them. Like right. It was in Vegas two years ago, but it was curious that he caught Webb and passed him pretty quickly, and then next thing you know, he cannot Yeah, he, him. he can't get, get him, get him, and Webb get, gets him a couple times. So. Um, yeah. Uh, Tomac, uh, anybody got anything? Anybody got anything for that? Yeah. Uh, 
I think it's. Well, are we still blaming Mike Williamson? To... Are we still blaming Mike? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that was bizarre, but yep. You know, yep. I, I think it comes down to a lot of these guys don't ever practice jumping whoops, ever. Like, never is there a time when they're at their practice track and they're like, you know what, I'm going to practice. I'm going to do this whole main event today, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, you know, three, 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 three the whole way through the whoops. And yeah. That's what I'm going to practice today. I think there, that never happens, especially for a guy – like Eli, for a guy like Roxon, they hate jumping loops. They never do it. Chad Reed, another one. They don't ever do it. They, they, I've heard them voice their displeasure for it. So when you, when the whoops break down like they did this weekend, where you don't really have a choice, like it, it's just the line. Otherwise, you can't really get through them. I don't think they're comfortable. I don't think that method is something Eli is just like looking forward to. And yeah, okay, crashing twice is probably inexcusable. But I think part of it's just a result of lack of comfort. Like, I, don't, I just don't think he's got a lot of experience doing it where a guy like Cooper or Marvin or a lot of these guys, they've been doing it a long time and, and probably out of necessity at times, but it made them more comfortable in that scenario. All right. Yeah. You, you, you nailed it. Cause I did ask earlier, one of the, one of the more recent races where of course there were gnarly whoops and they turned into jumpers. I asked Tomac and Roxton in the press conference, do you ever practice jumping whoops? And they both said not only do they both had the same answer basically not only do we not practice jumping, but the way our tracks are laid out, it's like the whoops are in a long fast straightaway. Like you couldn't even do it if you wanted to. Uh, so yeah, they've definitely never literally practiced it and couldn't. So yeah, I think you're right. Wow, it was weird. Well, I I only I only know that because you know I obviously rode with Chad a long time, right? Damn near a decade, and he at times. Stu would kill him when the, when the whoops switched like that. Like, Stu was way better than him. And, he, and I would tell him, like, dude, just go practice it sometimes. Like, if you're if you're bored and don't want to do motor, just go practice. It's a weakness for you. There was a few things like that, like wheel tapping stuff at speed. Stu was better than him. There were just certain things, like, why don't you get better at that so when it happens, you are more adept at, at closing the gap and not giving up time. So I would watch him at times go practice this, and he was terrible at it. And I mean – I'm talking a world-class guy, Reed at his best, and it was embarrassingly bad, him trying to jump whoops, and I would just do it no problem. Like, you know, I'm like a bunny rabbit jumping through there, and he just couldn't figure it out. And, and yeah, okay, Tomac could do it, and these guys can do it, but I just I think they're, it's a weakness for him, just lack of, lack of seat time practicing it. Uh, yeah, well, two crashes, almost in the exact same spot for Eli. Uh, Osborne. Osborne, Zacho led some laps, was frisky. He, he, I think he was the first guy to go three in on that rhythm. He didn't go four right until the main event, but he was claiming he was the first guy to go three in. Um, and then uh, first guy I saw go three, four was Marv in practice. Um, but, uh, yeah, Zacho got second, uh, passed Coop, looked good. Then, you know, like I said earlier, almost sent it into the, uh, into the net. But he was good, Weege. Zach was, uh, was awesome. Good for him. Yeah, uh, I, I know you probably don't want to hear this, but uh, he did some gnarly outdoor testing, and I think some of the setup that they learned from that. Oh, here I went to talk to him after the first practice when he was fastest overall, and he's like basically a whole new bike. Um, so I mean, look, something obviously changed. So I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna you're assume gonna, he's right. You're gonna go with the, the, the motocross testing settings. Well, he actually gave me more detail. 
than that. Um, I think they went through so many things. They solved some problems the bike was having in general because they had the Euros over, some stuff that they've been trying to figure out for months mm-hmm. uh, that they got uh, figured out. So, no, it's not like his motocross sport transferred over, but they tested a lot of things, and I think some of it applies to both. Uh, so I think a lot of it is that. But I'm curious, uh, of all people, randomly Alden Baker came up and sat next to us for the yeah. main event. I've yes. never seen him in the press box. Oh, yeah, no, I, he's been up there before. I've sat by him before. Well, he but, was there. But, yeah. I did see him at the last race in Denver where he had Alden Baker two, two with him. <laughs> he had basically an identical human, which turned out it was actually his brother. Right. Uh, and I'm like, oh, just hire your brother to be you in California. <laughs> good. Um, but he watched the whole main event with you. So I was wondering, he was on your side. I was on your other side. So I couldn't quite, wasn't interacting with him as much. I mean, Zach and Webb were freaking close. Oh, yeah. A long and time. he was, was stressing. He, was he losing his mind? Yes, he was stressing. He was like, ooh, oh, my man. What, what are you doing? <laughs> he was stressing. He was, yeah, it was great. I loved it. It was awesome. I enjoyed, like, moments before the gate dropped. He's like, come on, boys, just be smart out there. And you go, no, no, mix it up. Yeah. Some drama. Yeah. Don't be smart out there. Yeah, let's get some, let's get some takeouts. Where's the 21 when we need them? Um, yeah, he was, he was stressed. I did go into the truck. Uh, Osborne gave me one of his rookie year jerseys from back in the day, and so we were talking. Alden was in there. Uh, no Anderson, so I was good to go in that truck, so it was, it was fine. Uh, I hadn't been in that truck much, I'm not going to lie. And uh, Oz, uh, Alden came in with a K- Red Bull KTM uh, toque, and uh, I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. And he's like, what do you mean? And, and, and Osborne was giving him a little bit of shit, too. And so, JT, I told him the Jeff Spencer 2-2 hat controversy with Red Dog. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying you're going you're gonna to tear this thing apart. And he's like, I didn't know it would be this cold, mate. I didn't know. I'm like, oh, well. Anyways. Uh, Everything's fine, Steve. I did get Alden to admit that out of all his riders, all the retired ones everybody's ever worked with, Zach Osborne is the most normal human out of all of them. And he, and he agreed. And he said, yes. Yes, he said, absolutely. He said, sometimes he brings Zach in to the meetings. Um, and then afterwards... Uh, he'll he'll ask Zach, how was that? How did they take that? How did it go? Did I sound okay? <laughs> because you know he's talking. He doesn't know if he's not talking to normal human beings all throughout this time. So uh, Zach is his sounding board. He said, so yeah, pretty funny. Uh, he is the most normal. Yeah, he is. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yep. I, I would say I would bet Marvin's pretty normal too. Marvin's such a nice guy. Yeah, well, not as normal as Zacho. That's fair. All right. Uh, he's got too many cats. Marvin, I think. Mar- in the motorhome. Marvin has too many cats to be normal. There's something wrong with people who have all those cats, right? I mean, don't, don't you think? Like that's <laughs> yeah, and he's French. Well, I don't know about that, but but yeah. Um, <laughs> I I did enjoy going back on my Twitter timeline and seeing three people say, "Yeah, it's obvious that Zach's not allowed to pass Webb because for a while he was right behind him, and I'm like, how is he going to play this?" But then we saw that clearly uh, he is because he did. So, I mean, yeah, he's not taking him out. But, I, I mean, you hear these conspiracy theories every week. I think we were discussing with Baggett maybe a couple of weeks ago, battling Webb. Um, so I just want to point out when the conspiracy theories do not come true and Osborne actually does yeah. pass Webb and tried to beat him to win the race, he clearly was trying to win. Yeah. Uh, I just like to point those things out. He tried to beat him. 
<laughs> he did. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, um, yeah, it was a. Uh, Oh, it was it was it was a good race for Zacho, and uh, yeah, wondering it'll be interesting to see if he um, can you know maybe maybe like look I don't think Webb want it, wants anything to do with winning Vegas. He'll take it if everybody can give it to him. Um, Roxon's off the pace right now. Um, Eli could win, but you know he's been really good. But if Eli doesn't, it'll be interesting to see maybe Osborne, uh, maybe maybe Osborne could grab a win. Like uh, did Anderson not get his first win in Vegas? Two years uh, ago? No, he got his only win of the season. Oh, that's right. His first one was Anaheim, right? With bunching, so, he actually won. He won the bunching race. Yeah, he won the bunching race, right? And yeah, and, yeah, and, I, and I wonder if Osborne could take advantage of different things that go on in Vegas this weekend and uh, and grab a win. You know, that'd be interesting to watch. Bunching, I think. I go ahead, Luch. Well, bunching, we can take advantage of bunching. Will there's no, there's no bunching, dude. There's no bunching. It's oh, twenty. It's right. twenty. Three points? 23 points, yeah. There's, there's, there's no bunching. That's what I was about to say. I think Tomac's just going to go to try to win the race and right. forget about it. Um, it's over. You know, I think he's given up at this point. Baggett washed your front end out. Bummer for Blake. Um, not not a great not a great, um, not a a great, great race for can him. I, can I tell you a real quick uh, Blake Baggett story? I mean, I don't... I'm getting nervous. Literally, this... You and Tom. Hey, this you could... You and Tom are taking over. This could go anywhere when you say, I got a Blake Baggett story. <laughs> well, I got... Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm presenting here. For right. sure. That's the angle I'm going with. Right. But I had to go over there and check in because, you know, Blake Baggett's dad, Tom, and Blake have always been my guys. But I've noticed, Steve, you're starting to hone in on my turf. Yeah. I saw you at track walk. You didn't... I, I was spying on you. You uh, were talking to his dad again. I was, yeah. You've been sending me photos from inside the truck. Uh-huh. Talking to his dad. Yeah. Week after week. Yeah. Yep. I, as soon as I walk in the truck, Tom Baggett says, it's not what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're finding some common ground. Fox and CNN is finding some common ground. Um, we were actually discussing a little bit of politics on the track walk. What? And, yes, we were. Serious? We were. Uh, and, and, you know, we all and we throw digs at each other, of course, you know, back and forth. And then, you know, we kind of found a little bit of a common ground, me and Tom. So, um, yeah, wow. um, I can change. And you can change. Yeah. Yeah. We so change. Uh, I didn't uh, so, yeah, so I went in to check on Tom, and then I was like, well, I might as well ask these dumb riders what's going on. I guess that's my job. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bogle and, and Baggett. Baggett told me that he is so antisocial that he went 32 days during the offseason without leaving his El Chupacabra Ranch property. He Anything he needed, he ordered on Amazon or sent the wife to the grocery store to get. Uh, <laughs> he did not leave the property or see anyone besides, I guess, his wife and, like, his ranch handler guy. Yeah, thirty-two straight I, days, and he said it was the greatest thirty-two days of life. I'm not surprised, JT. <laughs> that does not surprise. <laughs> I mean, you could almost say anything with Blake Baggett, and I'd be like, "Yep, okay, all right, yep." You could be like, "Blake Baggett's building a time machine," and I'd be like, "All right, <laughs> all right." Tom's got the steel, you know. He can. Tom's got the materials and everything. So, uh, yeah. You, as long as you give him heavy equipment to operate, uh, yeah, he's. Pretty much good. Yeah, do that. Yeah, not worry about anything else. Right. Yeah, your your story could go anywhere. So, um, Roxon's uh, not good right now. I heard he's been doing a lot of outdoor riding, and he's still trying to figure some things out. So he was just kind of blah as he was in Denver. Um, Marvin Muskan fell in the first turn, came all the way to fifth. Good job for Marv. Rode well, but um, yep, not going to happen when you fall down like that. Uh, Savachi was saved by Annette. Savachi was saved again by Annette. And I will ask again the question I ask. We can't get any more? Just not possible? Just not? Can't do it. 
Just one net. Just that's it. Too expensive? I don't understand. I don't know. It's a valid question. But Joe, question. Joey was saved by the net, and I'm sure maybe he'll go on Weege's stupid podcast to talk all about it. That's what I do, man. I'm like the Oprah. <laughs> um, the guy at the live show did say that he hated your intro and he couldn't stand it. And I like the one. I like when I hear that. That 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 that, that warms my heart. Yeah, yeah. Not not Vachi. Yes, one of the fans came up and said he hates yeah. it. Yeah, yep. He hates oh, it. Yeah. Um, you guys suck it. Uh, Seeley crashed. He was right. He was up there, but Seeley crashed. Josh Grant, uh, JT held it together. Fly Racing Zone got some fantasy points. Although I was, he held it together and actually moved forward. He did. I mean, yeah. He rode really well. I mean, it's it's not going to go into any highlight reels, or he's not going to get any headlines. But right. it was actually a really strong ride. He moved forward the whole time. Uh, I saw Chiz this morning at four thirty at the airport, four thirty a.m., and he was telling me that yeah, he was right with Grant, and then uh, kind of lost that he would have liked to tow behind him. He said Josh Josh went through guys really quick. So, um, well, yeah, I think that's true for everybody that goes to the front. It's, it's like I wish I would have been able to stay with him. Yeah, well, <laughs> well he was going faster than so. You, so like when Stu, what happened? Like when Stu passed you, JT, you would have liked to have stayed with him a few times. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. that's obviously the most extreme, but it's always like that. Like, you get the pit board of, like, go with him, and you're like, yeah, I'd love to. I can't. I would love to <laughs> right, do that. Right. right. Yeah, he's a little faster than me. That's why he's passing everyone in front of us also. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, hey, Justin Hill, we each told you an interesting little tidbit. <laughs> oh, motivated for outdoors. He's motiv- motivated. He's motivated for outdoors. Yes, and... Amongst many reasons, he actually said this straight up into my recorder on the record. I transcribed it on the racetrack website. He's like, yeah, you know, usually I got a lot of win bonuses and, and good bonus money already. So not really risk-reward. I kind of weigh it out for outdoors. It's not really there. Um, so I guess that's it. <laughs> Didn't get enough win bonuses this year. So he's uh, Hill's great. Motivated. Hill's great. He's fantastic for content. It's just great. <laughs> he is. Like, but- I don't know. Here's the thing, like, I try to not burn dudes. Like, if they say something that I know that, like, they misspoke and it's going to really, you know, if you pull that one sentence out of context, it's going to crush them and that's not what they really mean. But with him, kind of like you're saying with Baggett, like, I think he pretty much means what he says with a lot of these things. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I don't think he's like, no, that's not what I meant. No, I think that's really what he's just telling you how he feels. He didn't get enough bonus money, so he's going to have to try outdoors. Uh, Weege, would you like to explain the number 10? And his ride? Yeah, he's freaking hurt. He's a hero for being out there. Stop this. <laughs> JT's very – JT was taking a couple subtle digs at uh, at Weege's hero because um, he did fade late in the race, Justin Brayton, and uh, Weege's very upset yeah. about this. But Well, I don't want to say subtle digs. It was more just frustration, and this is all fantasy related. Yeah. Uh, he was – you could tell he was, he was uh, feeling the effects of his injury and subsequent time off. In those yeah. last few laps. Yeah, just don't go after Weege. Don't go after him because he's going to get very upset. Um, uh, yeah, I talked. He shouldn't to- have been riding. Look, Austin Forkner, this is how it's done. I know the knee injuries aren't even remotely the same, <laughs> but Brayton, again, just showing hard determination. I uh, I texted Justin. I said, hey, you didn't re really hurt yourself. And he said, no, he just got tired and he got arm pump. And I said, just stay stay good for Hawaii. And he said, Hasht- yeah. and he wrote back, hashtag Hawaii. So we're, just, okay. we're getting through to Hawaii. Um, <laughs> Brees rode well, got a 14th again. Uh, Henry Miller made a 450 debut, got 16th, rode well. Good job for Henry Miller. 
He did need Alex Ray to break a transmission uh, with a few laps to go in the heat race to get in, though. I mean, who knows? He might have made it in the LCQ, but but Henry got a bit of a gift. Uh, zombie, much appreciated. Yeah, Zombie Very Chris Blos was there. Zombie Chris Blos out of his rental car, just doing what he does. He says he, he asked him after the race uh, about the crash in Denver. He said he was never knocked out. He knew what he, where he was the whole time and all that. He was just laying there to make sure that he was okay. And then he said he got up and he was really pissed. So, um, uh, Bogle won a heat, JT. Bogle won another heat. Yeah, he's feeling it, man. He's uh, Even after the race, I was in the semi, and uh, his confidence is uh, in a really good spot right now. You know, obviously he was bummed that he crashed and the bike was um, was messed up so he couldn't keep going. But as far as mentally, where he thinks he's capable of finishing and the guys he's able to ride with, it's, it's probably the best it's been in yeah. a couple of years. So. I would expect very good things, you know, next weekend going into Hangtown, uh, just the way he looks and the way he, you know, where yeah. his head's at. Uh, it was, you always watch these guys and you're like, man, he's riding really well, but you're, you always wonder if they realize where they're at or what, you know, he was like, man, I, I think I can be in the mix for when yeah. the podiums, the way this is going. Well, you know, he was, he was pretty pumped. What was, was cool, he, what was sure. he when he went down? Was he fourth or fifth? Did he got uh, uh, somewhere in there? Yeah, somewhere. In the I mix think there. maybe Joey got him, but he was he was in the mix. Uh, got to start again. So, um, yeah, won a heat. Eli went down, and uh, Bogle got him. Won another heat. So that's two in a row for him. Um, the bike issue. He had a bike issue in the main, but it was not Jericho's fault. For the record, even though I tried to blame Jericho, it was not his fault. Um, did you like the, our walk in, JT Bogle and I? It was pretty impressive. I don't think yours was all that impressive. It was a cool idea for the Instagram. His, but his outfits are, they're something else, man. I don't know what to think about him. I don't know what to say. He's. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a complete loss for words in every aspect of his outfits. But they are fun to talk about and they're fun to see. Yeah. It's, it's like a guessing game as to what he's coming with week yeah. in and week out. Yeah, I don't know what was going on either. Uh, some people said he was going skydiving. Some people said he was a construction worker. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, he's into it, he, and he lives he lives for it, man. So, yeah, it's, cool. um, it's we need more guys like that. He's yeah, I was gonna say he's a unique personality in a good way. That the sport is very cookie cutter these days, and yep. he's not at all. So yep. I'm I'm a fan of that. Whether you whether you like his style or don't like his style or any of that, it, we. Just like we said, we need more of that. We need variation. We need variety. We need personalities. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, yeah, I, I agree. He's, he's an interesting guy to talk to. He'll be uh, he'll give you a good quote. He'll talk about the struggles. He'll talk about the success. He'll wear weird shit where I'm like, I don't know, understand what's going on. But yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, he, he, it, it's cool to have him around and doing well and all that. So I'm glad I could represent the everyman with the cargos and the hoodie, and the New Balances. <laughs> So that's that's more realistic, everybody. And your Rastafarian socks. Yeah, I wanted to spice it up a little bit. So, <laughs> uh, um, all right. Uh, anything else on four fifties? We gotta we gotta hurry up here. JT's got a dinner date. But uh, anything else? Moving on. I'm good. We're, we're moving on. Okay. Thanks to uh, Fly Racing, FlyRacing.com, uh, for sponsoring this podcast. The Formula Helmet is out now, and uh, and the guys are wearing it right now. And you saw it on the track. Zach Osborne took his Formula to second. And Blake Baggett took his formula to fourth. And Bogle took his formula to a heat race win. So uh, very, very proud of uh, the helmet the guys at Fly Racing are. So please check it out. And uh, thanks to them for coming on board. Thanks to, thanks to Maxis 
MXST tire, available now. Uh, AJ Cantanzaro, uh, unfortunately, uh, clipped a guy and then walked off holding his arm, so I don't know how the cat is. But he uses Maxxis, so MXST tires are available now, developed by the king, Jeremy McGrath. Also, uh, thanks to Slick Wash, guys, the Slick Wash products, a three-step wash product uh, that Monster Energy Pro Circuit uses. Use the code Steve to uh, save when you check out with those guys. And thanks to Race Tech, Zombie Chris Blos using Race Tech in his motors and suspension to put in the main event, among other privateers. Uh, Pulp 19 is the code to save when you talk to the folks at Race Tech. Uh, they'll dial you in. So whether it's motor work, whether it's suspension work, whatever it is, uh, Race Tech can help you out. So thanks to those guys. All right, uh, let's move on to Fly Racing Racer X Podcast 250 class. By the way, JT, I'm glad we got Bogle for our Fly live show. He was great in it, and we didn't even need Anton there to translate anything. No, nah, he's good, and I think that's, I think that's all a result of just what we were talking about. He's he's in a good place mentally, and and he was pretty candid with us as far yeah. as his struggles. You know, last year he even had to move home just because he was yeah. know, not in a good place. Like he needed to be around people that had his back no matter what, and and that weren't weren't yeah. worried about his results, and uh, I, I like the openness there. I like the, the yeah, how transparency about, of the ups and downs of the sport. Yeah, how about that, Weege? Just like a rider saying, you know what, I was at the goat farm, and uh, it was – I don't think you – it wasn't too much work. It was just too lonely. It was too too solitaire for Bogle. He had to get out of there, and you don't normally hear guys say that. Yeah, but you, you do have to keep in mind he wasn't even racing. I mean, he – he, he missed most of racing last well, no. year, so I think it might have been different. Well, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if he was there when he was riding the outdoors with JGR, the few he did. I don't know what the timeline I was. By then, I think by then he was already done. I mean, what, he? he raced like one and a half supercrosses, I think, last year. Right. And then came back, what, halfway, maybe Southwick or something outdoors. Right. So I think that's part of it. I think to be on a schedule uh, of riding and training, or maybe just training because you can't even ride, and you're not, there's not even a, a date in your mind of like, when am I even going to use any of this? And by the way, I'm probably going to be out of ride and I could be done. Am I ever going to feel better? All that. It's like, yeah, you might as well just hang out with people you're friends with or your family or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah, because I think the previous year he proved when he was at RCH that if he was racing every weekend and training every weekend, that was fine. But I think when he was not racing, uh, it didn't really make much sense to be there. Uh, all right. Well, 250 class, Sexton wins his first career race. He also takes a points lead, of course. Forkner, we all know, came in with a knee, and it was going to be tough. I mean, I, I mean, Will or uh, we, we were having a, a track walk conversation with Will Christian, of course, the uh, sideline reporter, much better than Daniel Blair, by the way, at it. Uh, and um, she was, you know, she was saying, "Oh, I don't know, the adrenaline. If he gets a start, and I, and I." Weege, I was shutting her down. I'm like, no, it ain't happening. No, you were not having it. I was not yeah. having it. And not that I'm happy that I'm right or whatever, but I'm just like, he's got a bad knee. He hasn't been riding. He 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 can't just protect this thing. He has to beat those guys. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, he did. Well, one practice was good, and I never found out what happened in the other practice. If he was cruising. Uh, I did with my new best friend. Oh, um, okay. They told me he cased something, I think, in that second practice, and he wasn't the same. Yeah. Uh, after that. Right. Which is what got pretty much gone with the main two. So there you go. Yeah. Yep. Um, so he, yeah, basically he, uh, in the main, he uh, jumped a little far, uh, cased this little single thing, and then that was it. Forkner's done. And uh, you got to admire him for trying, but it was always going to be tough, JT. 
Yeah, it was going to be difficult. And, and the whole thing I think it really came down to is the fact that he, he couldn't just go through the motions and that was going to be good enough. You know, him missing the Denver round, or excuse me, the Nashville round was the kicker because he didn't have a cushion anymore and he, and he had to win. There was a three-point gap with two rounds to go and he knew Sexton was going to be on the podium because he's been there all year pretty much. So you, he had to go beat Sexton. And he had, he had basically a two-race, you know, uh, between Cooper, Justin Cooper in there as well, but basically a two-race showdown to the, to, for the title. And he was, it was going to take everything he had. You know, had he been able to fight through Nashville and get, I don't know, 10 points, 15 points, whatever it could have been, I think then maybe he, as soon as he sees Sexton behind him at East Rutherford, he just moves over like, yeah, go. I, I'm just going to ride around and I'm going to get eight because the, the class is pretty weak. And I can just do the jumps similar to what he did in the heat race, and I'll be fine. But in the main event, he couldn't do that. He had to go for it. He knew he had to try to win. And when he pushed the limit, you saw him just overjump that single into the face of the double. Too much force moving forward. In my opinion, this is what I saw from the outside. Uh, one of the biggest struggles with an ACL injury is that when you have that ACL removal, quick movements and force like that, like all of that force move pushing forward on his knee, there's no ACL to hold it stable anymore. So it probably dislocated there. That's where he saw the big pain coming in. Uh, but that was, yeah. that was a result of him having to push the limit. If he would have just able to be able to ride calmly and, and not even try to push the edge, he probably wouldn't have done that, you know, but he was, he was battling for the lead there. Yep. And I think he just knew he had to, and that was, that was the biggest problem. Uh, what did you make, JT, of uh, him and Sexton coming together a little bit and Sexton not being happy after the race? Um, I, I definitely think that Sexton did what he did on purpose, but I I would also say that Sexton was really aggressive Forkner? with Austin twice. Yeah, you, you mean Forkner did what he did on purpose? I'm sorry, yes. Forkner, Forkner made contact in the main event on purpose before the finish line, but Sexton had gotten aggressive twice with Forkner that day once in the heat race he basically crossed you know went across his front wheel it wasn't overly dirty but it was aggressive and that's Forkner's bad side the left leg so I'm sure Forkner wasn't very happy about it and then in the main, on the first lap of the main event uh Sexton came into the second turn really hot and kind of stood everybody up really aggressively again so at that point I think Forkner with that's two times, and obviously he knows, too, if I can knock Sexton down here, that makes my life a lot easier. So there were a lot of things happening, uh, but I, I really don't blame Forkner. I mean, I, I can understand Sexton being angry about it, but, you know, if you're, if you're Sexton, can, can you really blame him? You know, it's, it's, it's a move where he's probably got motivation from your aggressiveness, and also it's like, man, it's, that, that would make my life a lot easier if I knocked you down here. Um, no team order to Star Yamaha, clearly, because Mitchell Oldenburg – past Justin Cooper, hometown hero Justin Cooper, and uh, you know put put the um, put points in between them. So I was a bit surprised at that, Weege. Yeah, just like Osborne passing Webb, it it reminds me over and over that we we and fans we overthink these things, and they don't have radios. They pretty much just ride. Always have these massive conspiracy theories, and then I think our buddy Chase Dallas said, "How could they not have?" Uh, what was he? he? He texted us something before the main. He's like, why did they not have Oldenburg line up next to Sexton in the main and have him push him out or something like that? And I'm like thinking, yeah, we come up with these theories all the time. And 
1% of the time they do stuff like that. For the most part, they don't do it. They either don't think of it, they don't like racing that way, bad karma. Maybe they see racing as a marketing thing, and you're like, if you win that way, you hurt yourself as much as you gain. I don't know, but it just seems to me most of the time these teammate conspiracy theory plans that we dream up, they don't happen. Osborne went after Webb. Oldenburg went after Justin Cooper. Yep. I heard Cooper wasn't feeling that well. We did, what, anything come out of the, of, the, of the press conference? No, he never um, He never alluded to that. Um, I was surprised. I you had kind of yeah. heard that? Yeah, I did. I did. I heard that from somebody who knows him or knows the family yeah. or something like that. Um, but nothing official. He definitely official. didn't ride he did like not. he normally has. No, he no. did not ride. Uh, but the track, man, nobody liked the track. Uh, and it wasn't so much the design. It was just the fact that it had been rainy and it was uh, soft and they covered it and then it got hard in spots and then kind of got chuck holes in other spots and soft where the drainage was and a lot of a lot of complaints about the soil, uh, not, nothing to do with the Feld guys or the Dirtworks guys, just nobody was happy with it, you know, it was, it was weird to, to ride it. So, um, yeah, it, it was definitely maybe, maybe, so maybe it wasn't feeling that. The whoops were big. I don't know what was going on, JT, with that double across the start straight that they eventually fixed, that it was turning right but yet you were coming out of a left-hand turn so i don't know i'm not sure what was going on well i think we made mention of this on saturday too i think they were in a situation where some guys were going to be able to jump it and some guys weren't and that gets really dangerous as far as people getting landed on so they just said i was screw it let's just knock it down so nobody can do it yeah and in some situations, I would say, like, man, you know, this sport's supposed to be really hard. It's supposed to be really difficult. But in that particular one, I do think it would have been really sketchy because I think guys would have oh, been coming sure. across the inside, blocking people. You know, I, I, in that particular scenario, I think safety was the the better choice. Why did they build uh, it? I guarantee the, you there were some people. Why did they build it where it was going to the right and you were coming out of a left turn? I don't understand how it was built that way. I don't get it. Really weird. Yeah, I would assume it was to try to get the try to get as much length in that one rhythm lane as they could, but also to set up the angle right for the first turn. I mean, that double was doing like three things in one, right? It was yeah, the turn was... at the beginning of the rhythm lane. It was the turn after the start and right. a jump. And yeah, I think if the dude was riding the track by himself, it would have been sweet. It was just like what it would have been if people can remember Anaheim one had that insane double that Webb was doing in the mud. Yeah, uh, but it was kind of reminiscent of that. Well, it, yeah, the obstacle, but the the, the corner before and the, the approach was yeah, nothing the corner like was that. different. It was the same type of jump, right. and you did see at that race like you either jumped or you didn't. Yeah. There was no in between. Yeah, I thought it was cool at Anaheim one, and it could have been cool. Yeah. It had it been yeah. built right, but um, yeah. Marty, Marty led six laps. Marty took the lead. I was wondering if we were going to see another Denver. Kind of didn't look that good after that, though. He, he definitely went backwards. He was struggling with the whoops, JT. Marty could not get the whoops down. Um, just over and over screwing him up. Yeah, I, to me, it looks like he got arm pump pretty bad. And I haven't talked to him. I haven't talked to anybody that has. But just watching his riding, you know, at the beginning, he was, he was cruising pretty easily in the top three and w- winning the race. And then to go where he was to where he ended up, uh, it just is you know, prototypical arm pump when you watch him ride. Like, he had no intensity. Like, he was just kind of going through the motions. And on a track like that where it's that rough and that ruddy and the whoops are that jacked up, it's it's got arm pump written all over it. So he's been dealing with that all season. Um, so it was pretty easy to, you know, connect the dots on what happened to him. Well, I mean, it's not like he pulled the whole shot, though, and then, uh, you know, made a mistake, 
two, two mm. three turns in and then uh, and then crashed uh, a, a lap later. Mm. Not like that, I guess. Mm. <sighs> the wheels are off the troll train, and they're off the train. Well, I would have liked to have known. I would have liked to have known about the salsa chips and salsa before I would have went into the bet. Weech. Yeah. Yeah, he revealed to me. I talked to him a little bit uh, before the night show, and uh, he revealed that he'd be eating chips and salsa and even some wine here and there. Would have been nice to know that my rider was going to start calling a vacation halfway through the series. Chips and salsa. Yeah. Just led to his undoing. Well, I mean, I interviewed him after the race, and he's like, we're 13 down, dude. Anything can happen. It's not over. Oh. It's not over. Really? We're, thir- we're just 13 down. I'm like, yeah, it's over, bro. Stop with the pep talk here, Amart. So, <laughs> I mean... I don't know why JGR didn't tell Peters to pull over for him to try to get one extra point. Like I said, man, they just don't do that. They just no team orders. Well, I'm cleaning the pro circuit shop now, so I want to thank Alex Martin for that. It's really unfortunate now because I feel like he's had several bad races. It's tailed off so much that it's going to look like you were just, why would you have even picked this? But what has been completely forgotten about is I'd say the first four rounds of the series, you were looking like a genius. He was riding better than Marty for half the season. Oh, he really sure. was. Yeah. Yeah. Now it just looks like, of course, Marty's better than him at Supercross. That's the way it is. But it, <laughs> he really had he yeah. had it. Yeah. He had it. We we need the anvil. We need the anvil to come out for Marty. But it uh, doesn't look good. So even with the shootout, uh, Marty seems to have rediscovered some form here. I would have well, liked. It's going to be tough. It's literally. I, it's, I, I hope it doesn't sound like an insult to Alex Martin, but with the East-West shootout, simply scoring 13 points is not a given, yeah. even if Marty doesn't even make it. Right. And yeah. I would have liked to have also my rider to not be out Friday night dressed as a troll <laughs> at a troll experience. I would like to get some rest and focus on the race. But guys at Feld brought him up to the troll experience, and he's embraced the troll nickname. And, yeah, so... He really was a troll. I wonder what his buddy Phil thinks of that photo I sent of him dressed as a troll. He went all in. I can't believe it. Makeup. He, kissing one of the trolls. Yep. Wasn't it? Yep. They yep. were kissed. Yep. 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 One of the mascots. That's my guy, everybody. I mean, good for him. I was pumped he did it. I, I was pumped he did it for the sport, but yes, for you, this must have just been a complete trap. The whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. No, it's, it's great to see, like Bogle, you know, we need different guys, and, and Amart buying in and doing this thing was cool, but yeah. Just would have liked a little bit more focus, JT, on a Friday night than what I got. Yeah, I can understand that. But he, he did have the whole shot. I mean, it, it was all in his hands at that point. And uh mm-hmm. didn't go well, though. Did not go well. No. And he was on your fantasy team. Yeah, he maxed out, though. So that's fine. Okay. Um, Jordan Bailey. He did pass Jordan Bailey back. He did pass yes. Jordan Bailey the last lap. He did. He did, which which actually got maxed him out. Jordan Bailey, I was in the truck with that with um with uh Alden and Zach, and Jordan Bailey started telling stories about how he golfs with Stu. Still, now, presently, hangs with Stu. Really blew me away. I can't believe this. I really blew I can't me believe away. This. Yeah, I really blew me away. I'm like, what? He's like, Oh yeah. And I'm just, and he says sometimes at, at, at hole seven he just goes, "I'm out of here," and he leaves. I'm like, "Yeah, that seems like something Stu would do." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Jordan Bailey still hanging with Stu, golfing with Stu. So, I, who, who knows? 
He, he apparently decided I'm out of here after uh, episode one also. Yeah, yeah. It, it honestly reminded me, we each of uh, Jordan Bailey dropping that info just casually and just no problem. Reminded me of J-Law with Robo Rob, uh, you know, when we were filming the bottom line shows. See you later, Robo Rob. See you, man. It's like, what? It's like, oh, yeah, J-Law's cool. Like, yeah, we hang. Yeah. Yeah, no one had spoken to J-Law in like three years. Like yep. He'd never done any reviews, nothing ever. He rolls in. He literally rolls rental cars. He gets fine. He's suspended. And then uh, you're doing this show with your shooter, Robo Rob, for two years. Yep. He never... And then all of a sudden, like Steel City, the end of it, he just all of a sudden says, what's up, Robo Rob? And we're like, you know Jason Lawrence? He knows you the whole time? Yeah, yeah. The you whole guys bros? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no idea. I'm like, at any point, Robo Rob, you could have said, like, hey, I know J Law. Maybe we could do. At any point, you could have brought this up. But nope, two years of shooting, not one word. So Bailey had a good ride, though. That's his, that's the season best. Uh, Lucrucio, ninth. A Rod, tenth. All good uh, jobs for those guys. Um, I mean, Groveland, Florida's L- Lorenzo Lucrucio. I'm sure Groveland's really proud. And then T- Tallahassee's proud of A Rod as well, I'm mm. sure. So Homegrown. Yeah, homegrown, both of those guys, yeah. right, right from there. So. Um, what else? Jace Owen, JT, would you like to comment on Jace Owen? I would not, because I'll probably say something I'll, I may regret. Okay, all right, fantastic. Uh, Mitchell Falk, we each, would you like to comment on Mitchell Falk? You know, I was walking into the rainy pits on Friday afternoon for press day, and uh, there's always a rough travel schedule because there's a few races that are open stadiums that the weather is bad. So that's Denver, Salt Lake City, New Jersey, if they end up, and uh, Foxborough, if they end up on the schedule, they have to go at the end of the year, which means they have to go up against Vegas. Some of them are close, felt like City's close. But in this case, you're looking at a travel pattern of going from Denver to New York to Las Vegas. That sucks for the team. That's a rough one, but it's the way it's got to be. So if for whatever reason, this really stuck out as I'm walking to the rainy pits, and I'm like, nobody wants to be here today. Nobody wants to be here. Season's done for most of these people. They have to come here for press day. And I just see this lone one, two, three KTM in the Troy Lee truck because Jordan Smith is out. And I'm like, they had to bring the whole truck from Denver to New Jersey to Vegas. <laughs> and then, I know that's horrible. If you're Mitchell Falk, I'm sorry. But uh, as Falk I know, is... it just stuck out to me. I'm like, they brought a. You guys remember when Team Semis like first came in? Like, oh, they we had the first one in like 91 or whatever. Yeah. No, they it was just... a huge deal having a semi. Well, and then. Sometimes they just wouldn't even show. Some team, sometimes factory semis yeah. would not even show up. And JT, you can. I remember re- reading yeah. a story in Cycle News or MXA where they were like, the economics are you have to have four riders to justify a semi. You have to have four riders. And then somewhere along the way, it was down to like two teams are running two semis for two riders, et cetera, et cetera. The semi thing has proliferated. Yeah. But to me, seeing that poor KTM semi having to drive all the way out here for one. 250F rider when there's like seven other KTM semis in the pit. <laughs> like, nothing they could do about this. And he had a rough main event. He crashed a couple times. He flew off the track at one point, and you were like, yeah, all the, way. all the way. All the way. All the way. He went from Denver to New Jersey to Vegas for that. <laughs> I know it's horrible to yeah, say for, sorry, Mitchell Falk, but we were like, yeah. they got a KTM Junior Supercross rig, they got a Rocky Mountain rig, they got two factory rigs. Uh, what, what, uh, I think there's more. What were you saying, yeah. JT? I was just saying, it just comes down to weeds the dicks. That's it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Well, cheap, too. A lot of diesel. Right, right. <laughs> um, you're, you're, you're like Michael Jordan of cheapness. You're always looking for that next challenge. 
Yeah, that's what I said. I yeah. go, you. I said I'm getting on this free bus to go into the city, and he said I will never understand you. And I'm like, this is just how Michael Jordan had to motivate himself. Yes. Little challenges. Yes. Uh, so basically, I'm just MJ. Uh, Hart Raff, good job for Hart Raff, fifth place for him. That's a couple good races for him. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it. So to the East, uh, 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 Sexton has nine points on Cooper. We like that for for him to wrap it up. All right. I do have to. nine nine in a shootout is not a lot, right? Um, but I'm impressed with a couple th- things. I mean, he's for the bulk of the season now. I think at the very beginning of the season, Cooper was just as good, if not better. But lately, Sexton's been the better guy. A and B. I was really impressed the way Sexton handled everything. I mean, he's going for his first race win, which is enough to go haywire and the title. And then Forkner's trying to take him out. He's in fourth or so, and the way he just was like, "Yeah, I'm not worried. I'm just going to cruise." And I'll wear these dudes out. Work will have problems. I'm not worried. I thought that was pretty mature. And he didn't freak out after getting taken out by Cooper at the last race. So I feel like he's in a pretty good spot. Yeah, he's got uh, a headspace to handle whatever weirdo challenge could potentially take nine points away. I don't think it's going to mess with yeah, him. Yeah, I like, I like it, JT. I like him to bring it home with nine. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only way this won't happen is a crash. And I, from the way he's riding, he's been pretty rock solid. Um, it will be a bit puzzling though if it if it gets tight, and you'll wonder if the uh, the Oldenburg Cooper East Rutherford tactics could have helped. I mean, the difference between seven and nine, you know, we'll see. I don't I don't think it'll matter, but it'll be talked about if it does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's got a great riding style, man. Sexton's got a really cool riding style. Just he does. Like, yeah, just smooth elbows up, stands up. Yeah, it's really good to watch. Yeah, he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be a force to deal with outdoors as well. I believe. Yeah. A lot of, uh, speaking of outdoors and Geico, a lot of uh, Hunter Lawrence uh, hype right now. A lot of Hunter Lawrence hype on his outdoor. Oh, really? Yep, yep. You oh. want to talk about the buzz, the test track buzz. Huh. Flying at the test track, but this is, so, it's, this is more um, flying at the open facilities. So, Yeah, it's so funny. Like I literally interviewed Hunter himself on Thursday night, I think, and like he wasn't letting on any of that hype. Oh, I'm getting. I think it. he doesn't even know. Like he doesn't know how it works. I'm getting it from all angles, and none from his agent. Who you know, agents aren't super biased. None from the yeah. Agent, yeah. So. Oh okay. Um, yep. and then also too interesting. Um, so KTM and Husqvarna have told its riders that they are not to practice on public tracks in Southern California. I don't know if it's just Southern California or where if it if it's what it is, but i.e. I. the Glen Helen rule. So. We've always talked about that and wondered about that, and they finally did it. I mean, Anderson got hurt. Dino ate crap a month ago, bad. Dino's tore his knee up bad at Glen Helen. Like, yeah. And and honestly, JT, I wondered why it took this long. Yeah, I actually, uh, I'm in pretty big favor of this rule. All right, good, good stuff, JT. He's obviously in a car going, Sorry. going for. He's in favor of this rule, everybody. Yeah. We're um, running really long, and I asked you guys about this, but all right. uh, I'm actually in favor of this rule. I think it's been pretty silly for a really long time. That I mean, you've got guys riding with amateurs and kids on sixties. Yeah, at some of these tracks, I mean that's that's crazy to me. Like that's so dangerous for everybody involved. It's dangerous for the pros. It's dangerous for the kids. I mean, Steve, you yourself have landed on somebody before that shouldn't have been out there. I mean, you you know this firsthand how sketchy it can be. And you weren't even – think about the speed that guys like Anderson and Dino, oh, these guys that yeah. have fallen victim to this, how fast they're going. 
Well, I, I just uh, went to Milestone this week and, and rode with RV and Alex Ray. And I was dicing with a guy, like an older vet guy, and we're having this little race. And literally, RV and Alex Ray go through us like we're standing still, and they have to swap lines like crazy to get around us, you know? Yeah, it's just nuts. Well, yeah, and, and for both sides, for the riders, for the you know the amateurs and the kids and stuff, they have no idea that anyone's coming because they're come up on us so fast. They have literally no clue. There's nope. no warning. There's nobody there, and then all of a sudden somebody's coming up on them at you know literally 30 seconds a lap faster than them. And then for the rider, the pro guy, he's he sees it coming, but he has no idea where that person's going. There's no way to predict that person's line. If they're going to jump something, if they're going to go inside, outside, it's just all bad. And yeah. so the point is I fully endorse this. I think it's the smart thing to do. I think it's long overdue. I think it's crazy that these guys are even on the same track at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and it probably should have been done a long time ago. Well, I guess Glenn Helen started a 10 to 12 pro only ride practice. So I don't know if they can ride yeah. that. I think they can probably ride that. But yeah, other than that, that's what, right. we're, that's and, what and we're hearing. So. All of that is it's a positive set, man. It's, it's not good for anybody involved. It, we're lucky that it hasn't as, as bad as it's been with injuries. Just a key, a few key guys getting hurt because of this. It could have been so much worse over the years. Yep. All right. Uh, that's it. East Rutherford. One more to go, everybody. Uh, Vegas this weekend. So my hometown. Um, Friday night at the space, everybody. Take the uh, link is on Racer X and on Pulpomex uh, live podcast show. So please check that out. And uh, Weege, anything else? Yeah. It- your hometown, just like Tallahassee, Florida, is the hometown of Lorenzo Lacrucio. Right. Well, yeah. it's, it's a good point. Yep. It's a good point. Vegas is own. I, I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say it. I like how yeah. you're a dick now because you have new friends. So now you're just you're just letting us have it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Friday night to space. Also Saturday night to space. Myself, RC, Ralph Shaheen. Come join us. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Good to hear. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Fly Racing Racer X Podcast presented by Maxis and uh, the guys at Slick Wash and Alpine Stars as well. Uh, thanks, JT. Thanks, Weech. All right, See you. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. 
it got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and-